everyone, and welcome to episode 7 of Raking Coals. Today, we are going to be talking about the importance of conversations and discussions and relationships as we share about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But before we get into our topic, I would like to say to each and every one of you, thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more of what we do, go to e43collective.com. We are the E43 Collective, and we have the aim of unifying church members around the globe in order to be able to have discussions about ministry and build each other up. You can check out our other podcasts, The After Sunday Discussion, as well as subscribe to Rick and Coles and The After Sunday Discussion, and check out our blog at e43collective.com. Thank you so much, and now we are going to get into our main topic for Raking Coals, but before we do that, I would just like to say hello to everybody. I am Cody Haggard, one of your hosts, and with me, as always, is the one and only Josh Vowsey. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm good. I am just thankful that we are someplace warm today, because right now we're recording this in a polar vortex, I think is what they called it. All I know is it's zero degrees outside, and yesterday was like in the negatives, so yes. it's cold. We are in the midst of what has been called Polar Vortex 2019, and hopefully this is the coldest that it gets throughout the year. If there are days that get even colder, that will be pretty unfortunate. We are in the Northeast Ohio area, so we haven't even gotten a hit with the worst parts of it. Up in Chicago and Wisconsin, I've seen things uh, on, on the Facebook from some of my friends of feeling like negative 53 degrees outside with the wind chill. Milwaukee was negative 60 something. That's just insane. That is so, so cold. And if you are someone who is from a warmer climate, be thankful for that during this time of year because this cold is pretty tough. I think God is just playing a prank on us because I looked at the forecast for the weekend. It's going to be in the 50s. We're going from negatives to 50s. That is just, that is insane. And what we like to do is, on the After Sunday discussion, our other podcast, we like to share our weekly stories and our experiences, and we'll go into more details about this crazy week uh, that we have had battling the polar vortex. But um, for now, we are going to talk about our main topic, our ministry-focused topic of the day, which is the importance of good conversations and healthy relationships as we seek to minister for Jesus Christ and evangelize for Jesus Christ and serve Jesus Christ. And this is something that I would say has developed more and more in my own life as I've gotten older, as I've gotten better at talking, better at building relationships. But Josh, what are, what are some of your just initial thoughts as we're just introducing the topic we're going to be talking about here today? When it comes to just conversations and relationships you're talking about where the rubber meets the road um and these this is where you actually make an impact this is where you actually get to through the relationships get the ability to know people to understand their perspective on life and what what their experiences have been and and relate to them and um, I, I know a lot of times we get very caught up in the whole preach Jesus from the podium, call him down to the altar, let him leave saved. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you really want to see life change, it starts with just talking to people face to face, one on one and building those relationships. Yeah, I agree. And I wouldn't necessarily fully agree with the aspect that there's nothing wrong with 
the altar call. I'm not going to stand here and just totally bash it, but I do think there are some issues in the fact that it's totally possible for someone to respond in an altar call and never experience change. In fact, I think it is Christian relationships that help us to realize what growth is, especially as a new Christian. If we, uh, or even a seeker, if we see someone and have a relationship with someone and are constantly talking with someone who's a mature Christian, then we are seeing what the process of sanctification looks like without even knowing what that word means. So not trying to just be devil's advocate there, but but just, just throwing in that there is somewhat of a mystery of when someone comes down, they accept Jesus at the altar, and then you never see them again. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, what happened? You know, like, where yeah, did that and, individual and, go? And that kind of falls under just organization because follow-through is so important. And I, I know I've been to a lot of churches that do really good follow-through where if someone comes down and they make that declaration on an altar call, the person who is praying with them is the person who's doing their follow-up. And and that kind of allows the continuity and allows the door to open to build those relationships and to uh, meet up and, 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 and start that sanctification process but i i understand what you're talking about is the come down say say i love jesus and then there is no organization on what do you do next yeah and that's it that kind of goes along with another conversation we probably should have of just planning when it comes to like service like what are you doing in your church services why are you doing it and what's the purpose of it and then if there's something that needs to be followed up how are you doing that but I digress (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I I just want to begin by saying that something I notice in culture notice in our times is we get really comfortable having conversations with the people who think just like us and believe just what we believe And when we don't healthily interact with people who might have a little bit different of opinion, we then are, we get rusty when it comes to conversational evangelism or just talking about God in a conversation. We forget what it's like to disagree. We forget what it's like to be like, okay, I think you have a point there. And and that's on both sides, both the believer and the non-believer. And I see this as something that it just happens a lot, and everyone's got their horror story of this, the person they tried to talk about Jesus with, and it just went totally, totally terrible. But I have a passage of Scripture here that has been something that I have stuck to for, for a long time when it comes to meaningful um, evangelism, meaningful sharing of your faith, and it comes from 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says this instead you must worship christ as lord of your life and here's where it gets really important in the second sentence of verse 15 and then into 16 and if someone asks about your hope as a believer always be ready to explain it but do this in a gentle and respectful way keep your conscience clear Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live, because you belong to Christ. 
Now, I read that in the New Living Translation, and that was a total accident, actually. I meant to go to the ESV on my phone, but I really liked that translation, especially when they, they use this term here, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Uh, most translations say uh, do this with gentleness and respect, and I think that that is an important thing to remember as a person, as a representative of Jesus Christ in every conversation you have, whether you're talking about God, whether you're talking about the gospel, whether you're talking about what you did over the weekend, a gentle and respectful tone in your conversations is really important to have any type of, um, of relation, relationship relationship with it with anybody right if, if someone's going to care about you they're going to notice you treat them right when when you talk to them and so that's a, a huge uh, important thing and we could talk about this passage of scripture for for a long time but uh, I, I think the key there is when we talk about Christ when we are defending our faith when we're sharing what we believe we talk with gentleness and we talk with respect and I just think we we can as people get so defensive that sometimes we feel because someone doesn't agree with us, we're being attacked. And then we're no longer gentle. We're no longer respectful. We then start to, uh, either in our minds or with our words, uh, attack, or we walk away, or we don't gently and respectfully listen to someone else's side and then work through that in a, in a good, meaningful, and powerful way. And that's kind of a verse that I've stuck to when it comes to talking about Christ. I learned that in apologetics. And I've stuck with it. It seems to work, that attitude of, of talking about Christ. And, and I don't know, are you familiar with that verse at all? You heard that one before? Oh, yeah, you hear it all the time. And it's, it's so applicable. I mean, another verse that comes to mind is Romans 12. Um, and, and just kind of a lot of ed- editors will label this like marks of a true Christian or Christian ethics. But in, in verse 12, uh, or in chapter 12, and it's verse verse 18, it says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And if you look at the context, it's very much talking about you, you go to meet people where they are. If they're sad, you, you're there with them. If they're happy, you rejoice with them. And, and it, a lot of times... I find that not just in talking about faith, but just in general conversation, people today are so focused on making sure what they have to say is said that they forget to listen. They forget to try to put themselves in the shoes of the person they're talking to. And it we, we have it we live in a time where People are so, I don't want to say on edge, but they, it almost seems like people want to argue. And I, I see a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this sometimes, where it's like you, you want to get your point across. And you get so fixated on that that you completely miss what that other person said. And they could be sharing something and your reaction just completely badgers them. And then what do they do? They get defensive, they close them off, and then they tell you off and walk away. And what benefit is there to that? 
Yeah, none. And in one area, well, I would definitely say I haven't really experienced that as much in face-to-face conversation as I have witnessed that type of attitude and that type of discussion happening over online avenues, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, the, the internet battles. And I think part of part of the reason why we struggle, I think, to just have conversations is because we're we're having meaningful discussions and meaningful conversations on Facebook and over the comment section of things on YouTube. And what happens is as soon as you're triggered, as soon as you read that thing that just makes you so mad and you're triggered, you begin to develop your argument as to why the person is wrong and you don't pay attention to anything else they wrote or anything else they said. And we do the same thing in a conversation as well. The most important thing we need to do in a meaningful conversation is to be good listeners, right? It's something that James even points out in, in chapter one of James, right? Uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Putting the emphasis on like, you gotta listen. You have to be a listener. A good follower of Jesus is a good listener. And a good listener is also someone who is slow to speak. You choose your words selectively tactfully smartly and the last thing you want to do is become angry because honestly the person who's always the angry person in a group of friends trust me whether you know it or not and you're the angry person guess what when that when your friends aren't around you they're telling all their other friends or all everyone else in their other relationships how hilarious it is to watch you get mad and that's just what happens that's the truth about it it's not effective when you get mad and defensive like that. And in fact, I think it makes us lose credibility um, when we rage. I, I used to be like that. That's, that's why I can say this is I used to have like a temper. I used to get so mad when people wouldn't agree with me. And, and it's not effective. In, in fact, you, got, you look back on that and it's like, that was really dumb. That was stupid. And people, people laugh at you for that. And they don't take you seriously. And they think you're just not very smart because you don't come across as very smart. And I think I think it all it very much depends on situation, because if we're talking about you standing up for something that you see that is completely against scripture in a church setting, okay, and you are the past like because Cody, you're in, you're you're on staff here at the church that that we do youth group at, and like if you see something that's blatantly against scripture, you're going to stand up and you're going to say no, this has to stop. Right? And that because you're responsible for that, you you're responsible, and you're going to have to answer for what goes on in these in the building. Um, but when you're having conversations, especially with people who don't believe in Christ, who have a different worldview than we do, it an attitude of I am better than you because I have Jesus is not going to be effective, and. A lot of times, people in the church will isolate themselves from the general population, and they only hang out with their church people, and it almost creates like this this little bubble of ideas, and you're only you're only talking amongst yourselves. You're all reading the same books. You're all reading, watching the same things. You're all listening to the same stuff, and it what ends up happening is you create an echo chamber. And ideas get amplified, and, and and perspective gets amplified. And when you take that out of that 
echo chamber and you take it into the real world and you start talking to somebody who doesn't see the world the same way as we do, they're going to they're gonna look at you and just go, oh my goodness. Do you really think that? Do you really believe that? And I like growing up in a suburban church, I, I felt like I saw that a lot more. Um, but going into the inner city and starting to talk to people who are living there, who are dealing with life um, and, a, and a very different type of life than what I was, grew up in, it breaks down a lot of stereotypes. It breaks down your perspective very quickly. And when you start having a conversation, when you start trying to get to know these people, when you start hearing about their struggles and just the, the, their, their testimony, what their life, it, it opens the door not only for you to relate with them and see where you relate, but it also allows you to learn from them. And it builds a relationship where you can, you can then share what you've experienced. And I think we, we have a tendency of forgetting that it's not about us sharing the gospel. Like, it's about, a, like, we, we're supposed to share the gospel. But evangelism isn't about us. It's about them. It's about sharing it with them on a level where they understand it and they can relate with it. And then they can have the ability to make a rational and informed decision on their terms and I could go to someone off the street in Cleveland and hit them with the theology I've learned in church and they're going to look at me going so or I could get to know people understand where they're coming from and then find doors and find ways to share what the Bible says and what what God has called us to do in a way that they can understand that. And I won't know how that is until I get to know them and have those relationships and have those conversations. Yeah, and you've you've really hit the important side of this, right? We talked about the importance of healthy conversations but also relationships. And I think your best conversations come with people who you have at least a somewhat established relationship with and we look at the life of Jesus, right? He ate with sinners and tax collectors, the people who of that day and of that time, nobody else was spending time with. So one of the most loving things that someone who was a well-respected teacher could do was say, hey, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to just show you that because you are made by God, you're created in the image of God, you matter. And I think that that's something that we as, as Christians need to take hold of, that whether someone disagrees with you politically or ideologically or intellectually, wherever there might be that disagreement and you're like thinking to yourself, I could never be friends with that person. I could never have a relationship with that person. My question is, why? Why? Because just like you, that person's created in the image of God, they just don't know Christ yet. And there was a time where you didn't either. And if it wasn't for someone who showed the love of Christ to you, you never know where you'd be either. I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit intervenes in that. But I think we as Christians, we need to be 
focused on looking at each and every person, right? If we're going to have healthy relationships with people who aren't believers, that person's created in the image of God, just like you, just like me. And I think that's something where if we have that perspective about people, we don't lose hope in them. If you, if you refuse to lose hope in people, in hope, in what Christ can do and what the Holy Spirit can do, I, I guarantee you'll have better relationships, you'll get along with people who don't agree with you better, and you will find it fun and enjoyable to be challenged by what other people believe. Now, there's some things they'll say where you'll be like, that is, that's ridiculous. I mean, most Christians just cannot buy into the pro-choice argument. It's just hard to buy into any way you slice it. Science is just make it more and more evident that, you know, the biblical view on on abortion is is that that's life, man. Like, and, and it's just getting harder and harder to refute that. So it might be hard to look at someone and say, like, yeah, I agree with your argument, but you can be you can begin to understand, like, I understand where you're coming from. And I understand what you're thinking. But you can still in your mind say, you know, I advocate for something like pro-life because I, I value that life. And, and I, would, I would love to come alongside this person who's struggling and, and find a way to help them. And that's what I want to do. You know, I don't want them to just, like, suffer for the rest of their life and, 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 have, and turn that into a meaningful conversation, show how it's an opportunity to show love in a way to show support, in a way to show Christ. And I think a lot of times we get in these heated political debates and it's just like, oh, you're just, you're just a crybaby or you're just entitled. And, and we use these trigger words, right, that just make people mad. And sometimes it makes that conversation go so poorly and it goes the opposite direction that we wanted it to go when we started asking the challenging questions. But I think a healthy relationship makes those conversations go a lot further and you can dispute a lot healthier when you're not agreeing or even when you are agreeing on some things and disagreeing on other things you can challenge each other's viewpoints if that if that relationship is built and i think part of it is looking at the person saying this person made in the image of god god loves them i will love them and i think that's just that's the perspective that we really need to focus on when it comes to having conversations with people because we have a tendency of becoming almost complacent when it comes to just interacting with people, it's just like, oh, that's just Bob or whoever and whatever. And I'm not going to have the conversation with them. And um, I was reading something the other day by C.S. Lewis, and I wrote it down because I love it. I love what he said about this. He said, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Hmm. And just that, that idea that everybody that we interact with, whether it be your, your spouse or your kids or your pastor at church or the person who's taking your order at a fast food restaurant or the person bagging your groceries or that guy who's walking on the sidewalk as you drive by, every single person has eternity waiting for them. And every single person needs salvation and needs the gospel. And when we purposely and consciously make the decision of I'm not going to share with that person we're essentially saying I don't care where you end up and when you when you put your 
when you look at the world that way, you want to have conversation with people. You care about where they end up because we know, we know what happens in the end. And it, it, it's just, it's, it's so important that we kind of, we approach evangelism with this viewpoint of, it's not about me. It's not about, are they going to like me or not? What happens if they make fun of me? Or, and the fear that comes along, it's, it's no. I have to go talk to this person because their eternal life might depend on it. And this is why I love this conversation because it kind of brings out that the church needs to be outwardly focused. And we need, as churches, we need to be focused on reaching the people who aren't coming to church. Just as much as we need to focus on the people, on teaching the people who do come to church. But you can't effectively reach and you can't effectively teach unless you actually talk to people and have relationships with them. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I think that this is this gets into the area of where we've said this before, but we'll say it again because I think it's really important. A lot of times people think like all things ministry fall on the pastor and his staff and then maybe your lay leadership team and that's where it happens when we're talking about this topic of conversations and relationships this is something that each and every member of the church has power in has influence in everyone has a neighbor everyone has a has a co-worker at least most people do unless you work from home or or you don't really interact with people in the workplace, I'm, I guarantee you in some way, shape, or form, your job has you interacting with at least one other person. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but that's where we have to look, and I, I really hope that this is something that, that church members are listening to just as much as church leaders. I find that a lot of times leaders and pastors are the people who are drawn to podcasts and in this type of stuff, but we really hope that we, we get an audience of people who who don't necessarily look at themselves as quote-unquote a pastor or a quote-unquote church leader, but you can all be a leader in some avenue within your life, and I think that when it comes to these conversations and meaningful relationships, representing Christ through your actions, through the mundane, as well as through the recognized, is so important for the church, because what is that what is that thing that everybody says is so true of the church? Every I don't want to come to church because every Christian's a what, Josh? Hypocrite. Right? Everyone says, oh, Christians are just hypocrites. And to some extent, there's, there's, there's truth to that statement just objectively, right? We are all hypocrites because we say we are followers of Jesus Christ and we try to act like Jesus, but we're still all sinners, right? We're not going to be perfect like Christ. But what we shouldn't be doing is we should not be adding to that argument. We should not be giving people who are opposed to Christianity and opposed to the church any more reason to think that we are hypocrites other than the fact that we're not perfect. Because I think a lot of the times we find ourselves at our most hypocritical when we think we're right and we get stuck on being right on things that don't matter right the the cliche of majoring on the minors or even majoring on something that doesn't even matter and so i think that's where the whole entire church each and every person has to grasp the fact 
that you have a part to play in God's plan. And God wants you to play that part. He doesn't want you to sit the sidelines. He doesn't want you to just sit and go to church on Sunday and then go home and then live your life. If you're honoring Jesus, that is great. That is what God wants for you. If you're growing, that is great. But I think sometimes we become so inwardly focused on our own spiritual health that we forget that part of our spiritual health is sharing, is talking, is expanding, growing, serving. And I think that's a big thing that's missed by a lot of people who come and sit in a church on Sunday morning. It's getting missed. And I think that's why we're seeing a generation of so much biblical illiteracy, so many people who are disengaged with church, people who are just calling it quits on church. I think a big problem is is because we live it on Sunday and we don't do anything about it Monday through Saturday. And it, when you start having conversations and when you start having relationships, it can be frustrating. I will say that because when you're talking to people and you're sharing, you can't force anybody to do anything. I mean, we can give counsel, but we cannot give conduct. And, and I, like I know from my experience just working with and trying to do discipleship with people, it gets, you get mad sometimes where it's like, I've been telling you this every week for a month, for three months, almost a year. We've had this conversation every week for a year, and you will do nothing about it. And, and part of it is our job is to be the messengers and be the ambassadors, and we're supposed to share what God wants and the conduct and the, 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 the worldview and perspective of God that we see in Scripture. And if the other person listens or not, that's up to them. It's their decision, right? But that shouldn't discourage us from having those relationships and having those discussions because you're supposed to be the person who is teaching, just like the Great Commission calls us to do teach and disciple and as frustrating as it can be as scary as it can be I mean we're responsible for our own actions because God's going to hold us accountable for our actions not their actions and we can't use what their potential decision or what they're doing as an excuse for not doing what we're supposed to right and it's it's something where too you know i do want to talk about this that sometimes we also make excuses that well i'm not really an extrovert i i i'm not the type of person to just put myself out there i understand that i i understand that and i sympathize with that I myself am some, I, I don't know if I'm an extrovert or introvert. I kind of go back and forth. I like to be alone. I like my alone time, but I also like to talk with people. I don't know how to clearly define myself. I would probably say I'm a little more introverted because I'm refreshed by my alone time. But at the same time, um, I, I have no problem talking with people. In fact, I love meaningful conversations. I, I look forward to 
the the conversations I can have with people in my workplace, the conversations I'm going to have with my wife, the conversations I'm going to have with my kids. The conversations with my kids are just hilarious, right? Because they're, they're four, three, and one. And between the four and the three-year-old, we just talk about some of the, the silliest things. Um, and and uh, that's a little bit of a tangent, but I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing what God's going to throw my way that day. And I think sometimes we approach evangelism or sharing Christ or or discipleship with this programmed mentality like I have to have a plan whereas if we go back to 1 Peter 3:15 right it says just be ready it doesn't say you have to have a plan and it all written out and all manuscripted out it says just be ready so if we're ready, the way in which we prepare, we spend time in God's word, we, we become familiar, we get the knowledge, we, we pray, we understand how to respond in certain situations, and then we're ready because life is just full of curveballs and you never know which one you're going to get. And so if you are an introverted person, I understand that, but that also means in the times where you do interact with people, just be ready. That doesn't mean you have to go outside of your introvertedness. I understand it, but I would encourage you to at least try. Try to put yourself out there a little bit more, but be ready, you know? And another thing that's true about introverts is that introverts actually are more attracted to deep conversation rather than small talk. Extroverts are good at small talk and and having a lot of uh, um, acquaintances, whereas an introvert wants more deep friendships. And, and so you might be able to have an even deeper impact in a way because you care about the deep stuff. And I would say take advantage of that. And and just when God opens the doors or there's the, the moment to be able to just kind of share what you believe, it doesn't mean that you just, you know, someone says, you know, I, I heard this church was opening up down the road, and then you jump in like, all right, Romans Road, here we go. I mean, that doesn't necessarily have to be how it is, but let the conversation flow naturally, and just be ready to talk about what you believe. I guarantee you, if you are prepared, God will God will give you so many opportunities to talk about them. It's, it's crazy when we just start paying attention, and I think that's something we have to do is pay attention, because I think moments come up every day for, for me. I can at least say there's there's an opportunity for me to reflect and share about God in some way, shape, or form every day. Oh, I totally agree. I, it, it's it's funny because like the times where I've really stepped out of just my comfort zone and talked to people, those are some like I am. Those are some where some of my strongest friendships have actually come out of. Where like. Here's a person, and I start talking to them, just like, hey, how are you? Trying to build that relationship. And in a few cases, they turn out to be Christians, and we we become friends and start talking about church and, like, able to have conversations. And those are amazing experiences because it, it's so true. We are all connected through the Spirit. And it's just, it like, you can meet a Christian at class or at work or something like that. And like it almost like at least the way I've experienced it's very much like we've it, it almost feels like we've been friends for years. Um but I like I have I actually had a neighbor who's not a Christian and I just said hi to him. He was walking around the neighborhood. I said, "Hey, how you doing?" And he just started opening up and you start hearing about things that like I had no idea. 
and then he he starts talking about just him and this is I didn't all I said was hi. <laughs> And you get the, you get the, yeah, I, I, you know, spiritually, I just feel drained. Uh, open door right there. Start talking. What do you mean? Okay. Have, have you, have you ever checked, gone to a church or something? Uh, yeah, I've been here, here. Okay. Okay. Have you read, do you have a Bible? Like, have you ever tried to read the Bible? And it opened up an avenue where we ended up going, I ended up going to a church with him for two weeks straight just so they, he, it was churches that he was interested in. He, he, he wasn't a Christian, but he wanted to go check them out. And uh, he's going to one right now, and he's just, he's just there and he's listening. Mm-hmm. But just being willing to just say hi, open the door. And if I would have just said, hey, that's him, and went into my house, it would have been the, the end of that conversation. And who knows what would have happened. I, yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a good example of right the the curveballs. You never mm-hmm. know when they're coming, and and sometimes we have those rewarding moments when we're just ready. And something that that I know happens, I know this from my experience in working outside of the church, being bivocational right now, and in working in a couple of different environments among you know in in the past, is that. And maybe some of this is swayed when people find out I'm, I'm a pastor and a seminary student and I have a background in Bible college, but I don't necessarily think it's just because of that. Because when people find out you're a Christian and they know you're a Christian, you never know when they're going to come and just hit you with that just out of nowhere question, you know? Like I've gotten the question before of, okay, I got a question for you. You're a Christian, you go to church, so there's... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all wrote Gospels. Wasn't there 12 disciples? What happened to the other eight? Where's the other eight Gospels, right? And that's something where be ready for for that. You never know when you're going to get a question. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we become so, become so dependent on church leaders or the weekly sermon to just educate us, and that's all of our education on 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 God that we don't take the time to further investigate. A pastor can only preach for so long. If, if a pastor's preaching around an hour, that's a really long sermon. Most are probably preaching in between 20 and 40 minutes, and you're not going to get that much information over the course of a year, you know, if that's all you're depending on. And, and so learning something about you know, how the Bible is is orchestrated, learning why the New Testament canon is the canon. And, and when people ask these crazy questions, because the thing is, when people want to come and challenge, they don't want to ask the easy questions. They want to ask the hard questions, the questions that are out of nowhere. And when you don't know, just say like, you know what, I don't know. And maybe you can turn the conversation into something that you do know, or maybe someone just walks away at that point. But, you know, you never know what someone's going to come with you, come to you with, especially when they find out what you believe. And so, just be ready. Be ready to 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 just show love, no matter what happens. And that, no matter what the outcome is of of whether or not the person is contemplating or believes or doesn't believe, try and make it the aim that when that conversation's over, that person walks away and was like, you know what, that person was really respectful towards me. They really cared what I had to say. They cared about my question. Maybe they didn't know the answer, but they wanted to help me. 
And I think that's a really important thing when we think about talking about Christ is that when people, when the conversation's over, the person knows, like, that person cared, and I could tell. Now, here's a question I'm going to pose to you, Cody. When it comes to method of conversation, what is the most effective, in your opinion? I'm not 100% sure what you mean. So, okay, so I, I, I see this a lot. Where I'm trying to I'm trying to put this as delicately as I can, but social media mm-hmm. and there are a lot of people who get on it and they see something and they 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 have I don't know if it's a compulsion or if it's they they truly think that they're trying to that someone's listening to them, but they will post something or comment on something. And as a Christian, I'm reading it going, did you just say that? (laughs) Like, and, and, and I understand you can see stuff on social media, primarily on the Facebooks and it can rile you up and get you mad. But do you find social media to be an effective avenue to have the conversations that we're talking about. I think social media is exactly, it is good at exactly what it was meant to be good at. The fact that it is called your news feed says a lot about it. It's meant to be a a feed. It is meant to just show you stuff. And you read the stuff and you contemplate the stuff but it's just information. It's just information being put out there. No matter what the person thinks, you know, it's just information. It's this person's opinion. And the most effective conversations really going to probably come from talking to somebody in person or having a meaningful conversation with someone you don't know. Getting in an argument with someone on the whole other side of the world isn't really going to do much. It's not going to change the world. In fact, a lot of people are probably going to laugh at both of you and 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 the comment section is just a way for these sites to get more traffic because what happens is right they people see the comments and then they're like wait a minute these people are arguing i gotta check this out this is hilarious and while you might be making your argument what you're probably not doing is you're probably not swaying a whole lot of people you're probably just inviting people to laugh at you um and, and i understand you can you can be well-intentioned and you can construct a good argument, but Facebook's not the best place for that because you can't represent tone. You can't represent a whole lot of things through the written word. In fact, most people are not great written communicators um, because we don't practice it that much. And so I would say that, for example, the Facebook thing, if this is something that really riles you up, call a friend. You know, Say, like, hey, dude, listen to listen to what I just heard. This is crazy. What do you think about this? Have a meaningful conversation in that way. Talk to your talk to your significant other or your spouse if you have one, uh, a sibling if you've got one, or someone you're close to. And you know, I think Facebook, Twitter, social media, all of that stuff is is good for just sharing information, actually impacting and being effective on people's lives. I'd be surprised if there's a lot of people who are like, man, you know, I was reading these Facebook comments. 
man, I was just so blown away by what these people were saying that I just turned my life around after it. I don't think it's happening. I don't know about you, Josh, but I, I just don't, I don't think it's happening because I read comments on stuff and I would never come to that conclusion on just about anything I read, to be honest. And it's it's one of those things where you, you look at it and, like, it almost seems like most people on social media are yelling past each other. Because I, I, I've, I've witnessed people who have had their day ruined because they got into a Facebook argument with someone they've never met in person. And and every time I go through feeds and I see comments on stuff that's somewhat controversial, whether it be religious or political or anything else, people say the nastiest things. People say things that if you were to have, if you were to say that in a face-to-face conversation, you'd probably either get smacked or you get punched. Or the other person's just going to walk away from you. And like you said, social media is really good at what it was built to do. But when you're when you're having when you're trying to reach people, nothing goes further than actually going up to them and saying hi. Because if we're supposed to be following after Christ, you never see him badgering the lost. He was he was available. He was open. He hung out with them. He got to know them. And he just shared with them. But you never see him really come out and say, you guys are terrible. Because he doesn't. The people he does that to are the people, the church people who go around judging other people and and making up rules that, like we said earlier, are so igni- insignificant to, the, to what really matters that it turns people off. Mm-hmm. And I, I just... I, I, think of, I think of the epistles, I think of Christ, and I... I, we're supposed to have the same attitude as him. Of we are here to reach the lost. And you don't do that by calling them stupid or ignorant or ill-informed. You, you go and you show love. And you do that with humility. And you do that with respect. And you do that by building a relationship, getting to know them as a person, understanding where they're coming from, what their history is, and how they actually see the world. And then you listen. You listen to what they have to say. You listen to their, their concerns, the things that, that, are, that are having an impact on their heart and the things that they care about. And you are also listening for just that question. And when that comes up and when the door opens... It's very much, hey, I understand where you're coming from. This is how I see the world. This is why I see the world. And this is why I believe it. And no one's going to be able to argue that. 
And no one's going to call you an idiot to your face if you go through something like that with them. Yeah, and the, and the people that do probably wouldn't have even hung out that long in that conversation in the first place. But, and kind of just a, a last thought, when it comes to conversations, you can only you can only control your own reactions because you are calm and collected and respectful doesn't always mean that who you're talking with is going to stay the same. I can't promise you that. No one can promise you that. You can't control somebody else's actions. If someone is getting all bent out of shape and because you're not agreeing with them or you have a different opinion, it just might not be time to have that conversation with that person. And you can just kind of say, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to upset you. Um, I'm always willing to talk to you, but, but I don't want to upset you. Maybe it's best for us to just cut this off. It's, that's not a bad thing to do. Um, or just kind of saying, you know, oh, let's drop it for now. And if it's a close friend, and you could be like, let's just talk about something else. Let's just do something else. That's that's okay. That's not – to me, I don't look at that as a defeat. I look at that actually as more of a victory when you're able to say, like, all right, I see this person's getting upset, and if it goes any further, they might, they might just be so far gone to where we'll never have this conversation again. So it's like, you know, just you can't control someone else's interaction, you know, I'm sorry, not, I'm, I said interactions, I meant to say uh, reactions. You can't control someone else's reactions, but you can't control your own. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you always have to be like this softy. You can joke with people, you can have a sense of humor about it, you can be lighthearted. I know for me, Josh knows me, when I talk, I, I'm a very like lighthearted, jokey type of person in my interactions. Even when I talk about God, like I, I try to be laid back, I try to be um, loose and... And I share, I, I share what I believe. I, I talk about what I believe. I talk about what I value. And, and, and most of the times, I have good conversations with people. I hardly ever get to a point of where I'm arguing with somebody. It just doesn't really happen much for me. Um, maybe that's just because I, I play more of the long game when it comes to evangelism. I, I like sneak in. I sneak in truth. Like this one time I was talking with, with someone, someone I've been friends with for, for a while, and at work one day they were sharing with me why they don't go to church anymore. They told me a story about their past, and I was like, oh, well, you know, I, re- I really value my church. I mean, I really value faith. And, and then they told me, well, Christians are this, that, and this. And I was like, well, that's not really true. I mean, Basically, and then I kind of shared, like, this is what Christians believe. This is what Christianity is. And, and I would say maybe maybe one day you should be willing to give it another shot. Maybe try a different church. It just sounds like you're you're in an unfortunate situation. And that was a good conversation. And, and you know, that was kind of playing the long game, yes. But when the opportunity arose, it was like, there it is. And and so it was it was a really good thing. And... And I find that to be how I approach most of my sharing of Christ is the long gamer. I don't know how you approach it, but that's just more me. Yeah, I when I look at sharing, it's very much build the relationship and go from there. And it it it's not a quick thing. And and as lo- as much as we love those just flip this switch, take this pill, use this formula to whatever. That's not what building relationships is. That's not what evangelism looks like. You can't, there's, there's no magic formula 
where someone will go from hating God to loving him in a 15-minute conversation. Let's be honest. And we have a tendency of, and I don't know if it's because we live in such a consumer-focused society of, it has to be quick and simple and easy. It's not. A lot of times it's long, it's tiring, and it can be somewhat painful. And that could be emotional or physical. But you have to go through the process. And you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and understand that if it's going to be a struggle, the struggle's there and you got to just push through it. And you got to control that voice that's inside your head. And you just have to do it. Um, and the reality is, and I heard this, and it's it, this, the context is something completely different, but I was listening to something the other day and it just stuck with me where the person said, you can never be prepared for something you've never done. You cannot fully prepare for something that you have no experience doing. And a lot of times it's the experience that allows you, that, that tests you and, and shows you if you were prepared or not. And the analogy he used was a bird cannot fly before it's flown. You, you, you cannot pass the test if you haven't been tested. And, and that's kind of where I feel a lot of people in the church are sitting at right now where they, they, they don't share, they don't have conversations, they don't build relationships because they don't feel like they're prepared. But it's something that you can't fully, you can, you could read all you want, but until you actually go and try to share it with someone, you have no idea exactly what that entails. You don't know what information you're going to need. And you could find out, hey, I just studied all the wrong things. But that's 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 my thought. Yeah, yeah. And just want to say we're running out of time here. Uh, we have gone a little bit over our normal episode. want to thank you guys for listening to Episode 7 of Raking Coals. Just want to remind you guys, keep on sharing with your friends and family if you can. We are Raking Coals. We are on e43collective.com. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys will check us out next week. Also, lastly, just want to apologize. Our episodes have gotten out a little bit late. I battled some sickness. We battled some crazy weather things. It put us a little behind schedule. This week, we intend to get back on schedule and back on on date where Wrecking Coals will be coming out on Wednesdays and after Sunday discussion will be hitting you guys on Mondays. Just want to apologize for that. Hopefully you guys enjoy this episode, that you guys have a great week and a blessed day. Thank you for listening and see you later. <laughs>